Good evening, a warm welcome to uh, the church service this evening. We, uh, we uh, begin this time of worship. Vatikar will lead us in prayer in Gallup, please. Yegash Bernayeth Agus Olivianishje, and he was a lahawant and yet corny shiriach, and he a huish the yalav, nesuhil, snuhulini have hechinach, others no echinach, and he ever called the shenahas or hiriach. Nugasah <laughs> Hanyal Tedebe is Bian Gain, Aunt Yol, Spashing a shine, Yak Toshaker Nerdu, called it a hell. Be of Savahus Tuggiv, Kurimi, Gia, Skibimitia, Kajavin the Stolster, Urista Tuction, Kubalusa, Ergia, Condoding, Kadiaulu Hain, Fadabilin Gish, Natud, Krain, Natanam, Kubalusa, Asibian, Humibi Pianach, Skatnachachina Katech, Kinclair Sud, and Nantra Kajak. Trehul and Kretjev, a Isaac in Kavaluasibian, a dear together. Sashinagatavalog, a denaikonok, Kafurchinitin, Letanach, a Yonsi, Roihai, Nagras, home of his Kafashin Trochet, a Gaspanamashin, it grass a home coat, and the noun or fame. Ashinagatahu, Ruya Vianish, and a Haraninach Piachki, a Gaskadhuder Piachki and Yalahu, it a shinne, a Gustuhein. Skudagonchinonghen, <laughs> Sendliye <laughs> Ich Ashingatavalog de Nation of Koshan, 
Ich 
Amen. If we could turn, please, to Habakkuk chapter 2, and we'll read the whole of this chapter. You remember from last week, those who were here, that uh, Habakkuk, uh, he is burdened for uh, his people, uh, the nation of Israel, and uh, he prays, essentially he, he prays for revival. He asks that God will, uh, will he'll, he'll move again, that he'll hear the, the complaint uh, about the state of the nation. And then the, the answer comes from God, which is an answer that's alarming to Habakkuk, that God's going to use a, another nation to, to bring a whole lot of difficult things into their experience, which will ultimately bring them back uh, to God. And uh, Habakkuk, he's processing this, he's coming to terms with the fact that God is sovereign, that he's working, uh, even in the storms, even in the hard times. And uh, he, he realizes that, he accepts that, but he's still wrestling. He's wrestling with God in prayer because it's hard to live in the world that he's living, where he sees violence and justice, all kinds of difficult things. He knows God's in control and he's asking God uh, to be at work. And so Habakkuk at the end of uh, chapter one into the beginning of chapter two uh, says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he, that's God, will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then we have the Lord's answer. In verse 2, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false, though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by his faith. Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your debtors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their victim, because you have plundered many nations. The peoples who are left will plunder you, for you have shed man's blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his realm by unjust gain, to set his nest on high, to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall cry out, will cry out, and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed 
and establish as a town by crime? Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk, so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn. Drink and be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming round to you, and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and your destruction of animals will terrify you, for you have shed man's blood. You have destroyed lands and cities, and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol, since a man has carved it, or an image that teaches lies? For he who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, Come to life, or to life or stone. Wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Amen. And may God bless that reading of his word to us. Well, if you could turn back to Habakkuk chapter 2, please. As we go there, we'll pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for uh, this this book of prophecy, uh, this mysterious man, Habakkuk, that we know so little about. And yet we thank you that the message that was given to him, the prayer that was given to him is a, a prayer and it's a message that very much applies still to us today. Uh, we know to differing degrees what it's like to live through stormy times. Sometimes that's in our own personal experience and sometimes, and especially at this time, we're conscious it's, a, it's the state of our nation. And so, Lord, we thank you that you guide us and you lead us, you direct us, you teach us how to pray uh, in the midst of these times. And Lord, we thank you for the, the clear revelation in this book that you are the God who is still in control, the God who is always working out your purposes. You are the God who, who hears the prayers of your people and who loves to show to us mercy and grace as we cry out to you for it. We thank you, Lord, that uh, your call upon our life is not a call uh, where, we are, where we are forced to, to follow a legal code in order to achieve a, a standard high enough to qualify ourselves for for your presence. We know that we could never, uh, by our own efforts, do such a thing. Uh, we are sinners and you are the God who is holy, holy, holy. But we thank you that you have condescended to us. We thank you that you deal with us in mercy and with patience. We thank you that uh, we are made righteous, not by our works, but by faith in Jesus. We thank you for his finished work, his redeeming work that we have sung on. Uh, that green hill far away, that cross where the Saviour hung for us. And we thank you that when we believe in him, we have the assurance that we have sin forgiven and life that is eternal. And Lord, we thank you also that we have these promises in your word, that you care for us and that you, you watch over us and you help us and you hear us and respond to us as we pray, not just for ourselves, but for others. And we pray on for Shona. We ask, Lord, that as uh, she struggles a little today, uh, that she would know your hand upon her that she would sense uh, the, the prayers of your people as well. We can think back to times in our own lives where all was stormy in our experience, and yet we were aware of a calm and a sense of being held up uh, by you and the prayers of your people. And so help us to be faithful in prayer for Shona, and help us uh, to, to keep on bringing her to you. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you would protect her. We pray that this uh, infection would be driven back. We pray that... Uh, what needs to happen in terms of the changing of the drain would, would be possible. We pray that our strength would increase. We pray for our healing, Lord, if that be your will. We ask, Father, that in the midst of 
everything that she and the family with her would know your presence, uh, your peace, and uh, your hand upon them. So hear our prayers. And as we open your word now and study it, we pray that you would help us, that you would open our eyes, unblock our ears, clear our, our cluttered minds, cleanse us from the sin of our hearts, empty us of self, fill us with the Holy Spirit, and enable us to be uh, those who are expectantly waiting to hear your voice as uh, your servant Habakkuk was. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Sometimes we find ourselves writing a a letter uh, or sending an email. And if we are honest, although we send the email or write the letter, uh, we don't always expect to get a reply. Sometimes we write a letter maybe to a a VIP, to a celebrity, a a fan letter. Um, Maybe that's something that's been done by some of the younger ones, I don't know. Or, Or maybe when we're a bit older and we're frustrated with the bins and the frequency that they're getting emptied or whatever, we write a letter to an official, an MSP or or, or somebody in in, in local office that has some kind of influence. And we we put the words together, uh, we make a request, but we don't really expect to hear anything back. You know, we we would love to get a response, but we don't expect a response. We're not waiting expectantly for the postman to to deliver a a letter, uh, or we're not checking every few hours in our inbox to see if there's an email that's, uh, that's dropped in uh, in response to the letter or the application or the form that we submitted. And sometimes when we pray, we can pray without expectation. Sometimes when we pray, we put the words together and we express our desire to God to see people saved or uh, to see people helped. But there can be times when we pray when perhaps we don't expect these prayers to have impact. And the, the reason we know that it's because we're not really looking for, we're not really expecting, we're not really waiting for the answer. Habakkuk in this letter, he teaches us to, to pray with expectation and he teaches us to, to, to watch and to wait for the answer that God will give. So the first point this evening is uh, as we look in on Habakkuk in verse 1, we see the watching, waiting prophet. Habakkuk says in verse 1, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. So that's Habakkuk 2 verse 1. Now if we rewind a little to Habakkuk chapter 1, we can see there in the verses that Habakkuk, he's he's prayed at length and he's prayed with great fervor, with great earnestness. Uh, He's laid out before the Lord all the things that burden him. And the burden that Habakkuk uh, felt that he was praying in response, there was a burden that, that God himself had given to him. So Habakkuk, he's, he's opened up the newspaper in the morning. He's flicked through the Sky News app. He's seen all the, the stories, all the things that, that distress him. And he's, he's laid out all these bad news stories before the Lord. He's asked the Lord to intervene. And now he's waiting and he's watching and he's expecting an answer. So the first lesson for us in, in application tonight is, is that straightforward lesson that runs all the way through this book. And that's, it's a lesson regarding prayer. When we pray... Let's pray believing. When we pray, whether it's that personal prayer in the private place or the prayer as we come together corporately week by week, let's pray believing that God is hearing, that he will respond. Let's be those who are watching and waiting and expecting uh, his answer. It might be that some of us here, uh, we've been praying for a loved one, for their salvation for a long time. And with Habakkuk, we're, we're at the stage where we're, we've gone from praying almost to, to screaming on the inside, saying, how long is it going to be, Lord? Or maybe we're conscious of a, of a prodigal 
Someone who once walked close with God and now is at a distance. Someone whose heart once was warm and who were so full of zeal and now they're cold and cool and distant from God. And we're praying for them. They're still far away. Or maybe we're thinking about situations that are complicated and that grieve us and uh, we can't see a solution to. And we're praying and we're praying and we're praying and we're bringing the people, we're bringing the situations to, to God in prayer and we still can't see an answer. Well, Habakkuk teaches us to keep on praying. And to keep on believing and to keep on expecting and looking for the Lord to answer. See when, we're, see, when we're not expectant, when we're not watching and waiting as Habakkuk was, when we're not on our toes, spiritually speaking, then we're not alert to what God is doing. And we're not ready to take the opportunities that God may give us to be involved in the answer. Uh, he, he may want us to share Christ with the people that we're praying for. He may want us to, to be involved in the situations that we're praying about. So as we pray and as we watch in providence to see how God is responding, let's be on our toes. Let's look at the posture of Habakkuk. He's not sitting in an armchair. He's not stationary. He hasn't got his feet up on the table. He is standing at his watch because he is watching. He is waiting. He is expecting God to answer. And he's ready to be involved in whatever it is that the Lord would have him do. So keep praying. Keep watching. Keep waiting. Keep expecting, said Habakkuk. So we see the, the, the watching, waiting prophet. That's the first point. The second thing that we can note here is the watchtower. Because we see the, the attitude, we see the, uh, the inner uh, mindset, the, the heart condition of Habakkuk. But we're also told his location. We see where he is. And in verse 1, Habakkuk, he's speaking about a place, a physical location, a station. And he's positioned himself in this station, spiritually speaking, as he, as he waits upon the Lord. He says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. We'll see a little more about what that looked like in, in these times in a moment. But um, sometimes it can be helpful to have a, a particular place, a routine, a, a, a location even, where we, where we day by day go to be with the Lord, to, to wait upon him, uh, to speak to him in prayer, uh, to, to listen to him. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 6, he speaks about the closet, that place where we, where we go in uh, uh, and close the door on the world to, to be with the Lord. Uh, Jesus, uh, he often took his disciples uh, onto the boat. Mark 4 is uh, the place, I think, where we, where we see the boat. And uh, Jesus, he often took his disciples off dry land where the crowds were to be in the boat so they could be alone with him. I remember Fergus Robertson, the minister that uh, I uh, was training under, at the very beginning of uh, my Church of Scotland uh, training. And uh, he used to, every Saturday, uh, before he would preach, he would head off up the hill. You wouldn't get him to answer the phone. You wouldn't find him in his manse. He was up on the slocht with his dog and his sermon. And he was praying and he was reading and he was being with the Lord in preparation to preach. It's always where you'd find him. And Habakkuk, uh, he, he, he seems to be doing something of that nature. He's prayed He's anticipating uh, the answer that will come from the Lord. He's expecting that the Lord will have something to say to him that he will in turn have to pass on to the people. And so he says, I'm leaving the office. I'm leaving the house. I'm getting away from all the distractions and I'm going to the watchtower. Warren Wearsby, the commentator says, the prophet saw himself as a watchman on the walls of Jerusalem, waiting for a message from God that he could share with the people. In ancient days, the watchmen were responsible to warn the city of approaching danger. And if they weren't faithful, their hands would be stained with the blood of the people who died. So being a watchman, being in the watchtower, says Wearsby, it was a serious responsibility. That's where 
Abacucitis. Now, today when we think about risk and, and danger, we have, we, we have people who, who are still watching. We have people who are employed by the nation who are, who are still watching. We have people in, in military intelligence who watch coastlines for the danger of attack. Others who are looking at radars and who are scanning the skies to see if there is impending risk. Uh, we have people who, who monitor internet traffic to see if there's attack that's coming from a, a cyber angle. And in Old Testament times, uh, cities were, were enclosed by walls, high walls for protection. And when there was the risk of danger, when there was a, a, a possibility of impending attack, watchmen would be posted on the city wall on the watchtower and they had to warn for any danger that they could see on the horizon. And in the spiritual sense, that's what Habakkuk was doing. Uh, he's already burdened by the state of the nation. He knows that there is impending danger coming uh, from Babylon. And so he's on the watchtower. That's where he is. So what's the lesson for us in that vacation? Well, I think the, the lesson for us is, is that we're to be alert. We're, we're to be in the watchtower. Jesus taught his disciples in, in Matthew 26 and verse 41. He said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's a lesson for Peter, actually, in Gethsemane. A lesson that he, he was slow to learn because he, he didn't watch, he didn't pray, and he did fall. And then years later, as Peter writes a, a letter to us that we're coming to in a couple of weeks' time, he says in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. So we see Habakkuk, the, the watching, waiting prophet. Uh, we see where he's positioned. He's, he's on the watchtower. He is, he is alert. Uh, he, is, he is watching. He is waiting. And the third thing uh, we see that, is that Habakkuk, he's given a word to deliver. He's given a word uh, to deliver. Verses 2 and 3. Then the Lord replied. Remember Habakkuk, he's, he's there. He's watching. He's waiting. His ears are open. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come, and will not delay. So Habakkuk, he's, he's given a word to deliver, but first of all, notice in verse 2, that Habakkuk, he receives the word, and it's God's word, and God simply gives him the word. Habakkuk, he's not a co-writer in this. This is uh, a word that is... It's from God. It's not the result of some mystical dialogue. God reveals his word. Habakkuk's task is to receive it and to make it plain and to pass it on to heralds who'll run with it. And again, going back in time to the, the, the whole picture of the watchman, uh, that, was, that was their job. The watchman waits. He sees the threat. And when he sees the threat, he tells the herald plainly so that the herald can then go to the people and let them know how they're to act and react. So there's the picture. God gives his word to Habakkuk, and Habakkuk receives it, he believes it, he passes it on so that the people can, can act upon it. And we have the same task. All these years later, we have the, the same task. We have received God's word, not, not in the same, same way that Habakkuk received it. We haven't received God's word directly. We haven't heard it, an audible voice in our own ears, but we, 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 have, we have the word through the apostles and, and the prophets in the Bible. And just as Habakkuk wasn't to interfere with the word or add to it or take away from it or edit it or tone it down or ham it up, we have to follow his lead all these years later in a culture that admittedly is not very tolerant of God's word. We have to follow Habakkuk's lead. The Bible is God's word. And our place is to receive it and to believe it and to run into the world 
like heralds and tell people plainly the truth of it. So would there be, would there be wholesale acceptance of the word that Habakkuk is given to receive and, and to deliver? Well, uh, there wouldn't be wholesale acceptance. And uh, that much is made clear to Habakkuk in, in verse 3. God tells Habakkuk that uh, this is a word that it wouldn't be revealed immediately. It wouldn't immediately come to pass, the things that were being told to him. And so as time passed, some who heard Habakkuk preaching and speaking would be saying to Habakkuk, Habakkuk, all this stuff you're saying, I don't see any of this stuff happening. All this danger, all this risk, all this invasion that you're, you're getting so hot and bothered about, none of this is happening. Some people would have regarded Habakkuk as he, as he preached these messages that God gave him. Uh, they would have said, Habakkuk is just a, he's just a crank. He's a crazy person. He's lost his mind. Nothing that he says is coming true. But God says to, to Habakkuk, uh, my word, it will not prove false, verse 3. So don't stray from it. Stick to it and wait for it to come to pass. And that word to him is also a word for us. As we deliver God's word, not necessarily from a pulpit, but in our workplaces, amongst our families, uh, in our friendship groups, as we deliver God's word, as we tell people about Jesus, then we're going to need perseverance. We're going to need patience. We're going to need backbone. Because there's many people who will still say, and who are still saying today, you're a crazy person if you believe this gospel in this day and age. Why are you talking about Jesus? We don't want to hear about Jesus. Why do you keep going about this cross? All these things that, that allegedly happened 2,000 years ago. Why do you keep banging us, banging on about this stuff? Why are you talking about this? Why are you telling us about Jesus living and dying and rising and returning? Where is he? 2,000 years have passed. Where is he? There is no shortage of people uh, who will say to us, Jesus is not coming back. There is no heaven. There is no hell. There's nothing. The word you're telling me is nonsense. As Gordon and others visited over in, in US this week past and on mission, that, that was a, a response that they heard many times. What do you think happens when you die? Nothing. There's just nothing. And the whole gospel is swept aside. And as we face that time after time, the temptation for us is either to edit the message so it's a little more palatable for the culture, or just to go silent and stop being a herald. That's the temptation. But Habakkuk teaches us to deliver the word of God. Habakkuk teaches us to tell people about Jesus and the need to trust. Tell people about eternity, that this is not all there is. And that when we die, there's not nothing, there is something. There is either heaven or hell. And if we want to get to heaven, we have to believe in Jesus. And if we don't believe in Jesus, hell is the place that we have been warned about, that we will find ourselves in. Tell people that word, says the Lord, even as early on here in the Old Testament as through Habakkuk. He's given a word to deliver. And the principle, the message that we get here is that we also are given a word to deliver. Fourth point is that the word that Habakkuk is given to deliver is a, it's a word that calls people to faith. Verses 4 and 5. In verses 4 and 5, we see a, a, a real contrast. Uh, we see the, the righteous and we, we see those uh, who are, are, are wicked. It's an echo of Psalm 1 almost. And uh, we see there in the verses, see he is puffed up. Uh, his desires are not upright. That's the wicked. But the righteous will live by faith. Indeed, why betrays him? He's arrogant and never at rest because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. He, he gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. And so we have this contrast here. We have the, the righteous and we have the wicked. And the wicked, they're puffed up. 
They're, they're full of pride. They're, they're full of self-confidence. They're, they're arrogant. They're, they're restless. They're, they're full of wine. They're full of greed. They're full of violence. And, and God says through Habakkuk, that's not the way to live. So how are we to live? What are we called to do? And we have the, the answer there in verse 4. The righteous will live by faith. And that's a verse that, uh, it's a verse that rings bells for us. Because it's a verse that's imported into the, the, the New Testament. And uh, we can think of it popping up in various places. Paul uses it twice. He quotes it in Romans 1.17. He quotes it in Galatians 3.11. We find it again in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. So this is a key verse. How are we made righteous? How can we be accepted by God? How can we be saved? Well, it's not by works. It's not by religion. But it's by faith. It's by faith in Jesus. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9, these familiar verses, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so God through Habakkuk, he calls us to faith. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, without faith it's impossible to please God. And if we're saved, if we are righteous in and through what Christ has done, if we are Christians, one evidence that we are saved is that we have a desire to please God. We have a desire to live by faith. So we see all the things that are listed in these verses, uh, pride and greed and arrogance and, and violence. And we know that these are things that can rise up within our hearts. And if we're Christians, if we want to please God, day by day by day by day, we put these things to death. We turn from them. We, we seek with God's strength to kill them because we want to live by faith. And in Hebrews 11, we're given a whole list of examples of of people who live by faith. Uh, Abel and Enoch and, and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Rahab and the list goes on. And yet we know from even a short study of these lives that they were people who, who all failed in many ways. So the perfect example of living by faith is, is Jesus. And our calling is to trust him. Our calling is to try to, to live like him. That's what we sang. The hymn uh, that we sang that finished with these words that we, that we trust in his redeeming love we see on the cross and we try his works to do so Habakkuk he's the the watching waiting prophet uh, he is on the watchtower he encourages us to be on the watchtower he is given a word from God that he doesn't interfere with he doesn't uh, corrupt in any way he doesn't distort he just delivers it and it's a word that that calls God's people to to live by faith uh, in our terms we are we're believing in Jesus and the final thing very very briefly is that Habakkuk uh, he, he delivers a word that warns of judgment. And I don't have the time and I didn't intend to, I didn't intend to go through this in, in depth anyway. But uh, from verse 6 to the end, we're given a, a list of woes. Weirsby says, To the faithful Jews in the land, God would be a refuge and strength. But to the godless Babylonians invading the land, he would be a judge and eventually punish their sins and give them what they deserved. In this taunt song, God pronounces woe. And so in this last section, we have a clear and serious warning of judgment for sin. So what, what kind of sin do we read of in these, in these woes that we're warned of? Well, um, we read about pride and we read about greed. Uh, we read about self-aggrandisement. We read about uh, violence and idolatry and exploitation and covetousness and extortion and drunkenness. We can scan through the, the, the list of these verses and we see all the detail of all the, the sins that, that God gives Habakkuk to list. And all I want to note about this list is uh, how contemporary it is. 
And this is a letter. This is a book that's 2,700 years old. And yet everything that we read of in terms of the sins of, of that age still dominates our world today. We battle with these things in our own hearts. And so the word that's warning of judgment through Habakkuk still applies to us today. And we tend to think that, that, that woes are very Old Testament. But if we fast forward to the, the passage that we read this morning, uh, Jesus declared woes. Immediately before he declared rest, he declared woes. He began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent, Matthew eleven twenty. Woe to you, Chorazin, he says. Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. So Habakkuk delivered a word that he was given from God. And it's a word warning of judgment. And Jesus, where it was necessary, where he saw that there was resistance and not repentance, he delivered a word warning of judgment. And it may not be a popular message, but it's a necessary one. And it's a loving one. And Habakkuk teaches us to preach it. So let me finish just by saying there is grace offered to those who will receive it. Those who will live by faith. Those who will trust in Jesus. There is rest offered to those who haven't felt the weariness of their sin come to the Savior in faith and repentance. But there is the warning of eternal woe and judgment. There is the warning of hell to those who will not repent and who will not believe. So repent of sin, says God, through Habakkuk. Have faith in Jesus, says God, even through Habakkuk. In Christ alone, our hope is found. We're going to sing that in a moment. And can I just ask as I finish, can you say it? Is it your experience? All of us are sinners. Every one of us is a sinner. But there is grace offered. There is salvation offered. There is rest offered to those who will repent, to those who will believe. We can come in here weary and burdened and troubled and restless and lost. And we can leave saved, secured, at peace. And knowing that when we die, we're not facing judgment because Jesus has faced it for us on that green hill far away. But we have the promise of heaven. That's the gospel. No one needs to walk out of here. No one needs to, to go to sleep tonight worrying about their soul. The price is paid. The work is done. Salvation is offered. Grace is available. We just have to believe, to have faith in Christ. Will you believe? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, your word. We thank you for the, the clarity even in these letters. We see such alarming contrasts between those who are made righteous through faith. And we know that that faith is not a faith in self or a faith in, in, in faith even. It's faith in Jesus. Habakkuk is pointing us forward to Jesus. We thank you, Father, that you sent your son, that he lived, he died, he rose for us. Now one day soon he will return. And all who, who trust in him will, will go to be with him eternally. And those who do not trust, those who do not repent, uh, those who continue to ignore and resist and defy him uh, will be separated from him eternally. We, we see such alarming contrasts, but we thank you that uh, these contrasts are there to make it clear to us so that we will not hesitate, that we won't resist, 
We won't put off making a decision, but that we will simply come and say to you in prayer, Lord, forgive me for my sin. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for me and you rose from me. Please save me. We thank you that a prayer like that, that we can put our amen to even tonight, is a prayer that saves us eternally from the, the judgment that we're warned of and brings us into the experience of grace, which we just taste in this world and know in full measure in the hereafter. So as the gospel is proclaimed, as that word is delivered to our own souls, uh, give us faith, we pray, that we would believe in Jesus and be saved. And we pray this in his name and for his sake. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit, be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.